Despite marijuana being more widely accepted across the country, the DEA continues to have it listed as a Schedule One drug, which means that there is no medical benefit and highly addictive. I'm pausing for laughter. Now, that's the same category as heroin and LSD. Now, the federal government is trying to change that. So let's talk about it. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. David. How are you doing? So as many of you know, I have been a medical cannabis certifying doctor in the state of Florida since 2016. Um, one of the things that I am passionate about because of all the wonderful benefits it kids, um, can bring. Of course, there can be some issues as well. Um, but last year, you may remember that President Biden actually put through a actual complete pardoning of any federal P, um, 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 convicts who have who are convicted on low-level crimes relative to marijuana, just completely pardoned them, recognizing that this is just ruining people's lives. Some states are doing that, but it was a federal law, and the states have to make their own call on that. Um, but he did also want the administration to do more. Okay, so um, you know, obviously, it is clear that the cannabis can cause problems for some people. There are people who have hyperemesis where they're throwing up from it, where they can get paranoia from it. Um, it can it can interfere with quality of life, and obviously, people who are working with the physician should be having those types of things monitored. But while it's clear about that, to say that it has. Um, you know, know that, you know, and to say that it's highly addictive, I mean, that's just kind of ridiculous. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to reschedule it. So this cat, the schedule one, as I mentioned, that is, um, Again, the highest, most dangerous types of drugs that are out there that people can get in, involved with. Um, but, you know, considering highly addictive, and I'd kind of put it up again, nicotine or opioids any day of the year because it's not that level of addicted. Um, there are physical dependence that people can have or uh, psychological dependence on it. Um, but to say that it's a highly addictive substance is just the facts do not back that up. OK. Um, and again, to say that there's no medical benefits, I mean, that was the reason to pause for um, laughter before. To say that there's no medical benefits, I mean, come on, there's research about the seizures, anxiety, handling um, symptoms relative to chemotherapy. There's quite a long list what it does for people with PTSD. So the research shows clearly that there is medical benefit. And I think that's why a lot of people in our country, including in the government, is realizing that it is time that this very draconian schedule one of the medication of, of cannabis is uh, really quite ridiculous and needs to change. Okay. So, so what they're trying to do is they're trying to move it to a schedule three. Now a schedule three is what testosterone and ketamine, those are the kind of the categories that it's actually scheduled to is where Ritalin is. So they're actually wanting to take it below the concern for Ritalin, which is and other, you know, methylphenidate stimulant medications, which of course is interesting. But in the de the definition of a schedule three, let me get I get this right, means moderate to low potential for physical and um, psychological dependence. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay, I, I'll buy into that, but certainly not what a schedule one is saying. Now, the Human Health and Services um, Assistant Secretary, her name is Rachel Levine. She actually formally sent this mess this memo um, to the DEA and basically said that the recommendation of rescheduling it um, was based upon some really detailed medical science um, research that 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 to would and she sent the entire report along. The U.S. government did this work to show that it doesn't qualify for what a schedule um, one would be. Now, this does not mean, and of course, the DEA has to approve it. Okay, has to accept it. They're not. It's not binding. 
So hopefully they will see have seen the light on this. Um, but you know, it doesn't decriminalize it. Now, of course, in the United States, um, lots of states have completely legalized it already. That's 23 states, and 30 um, and 38 states have it at least as um, including medical, but medical and and uh, decriminalized as well. So. Um, of course, if this move does happen and the DEA reschedules it, then, of course, that would give a lot of legislators who have had pause in this more comfort in moving forward if the DEA says, oh, but this is OK. And I think we all can agree that if alcohol and if nicotine is legal in this country without having that type of regulation, that, again, it's kind of pathetic to not think that that uh, that alcohol, I mean, that cannabis can be in that same mode. Realistically, if you look at all and you talk to doctors, I think most will agree that relative to nicotine and alcohol, that cannabis is probably the safest option. Okay, so now why is this important besides the for the descheduling? So first of all, if they do that, the cannabis companies, people in the industry can actually then start to take tax exemptions for paying their staff and giving benefits, salaries and stuff like that, because obviously a company and we know that a lot of the, the industry is struggling right now because of the high expenses. They don't get these types of benefits. So that would actually change pretty much right away. Um, it will also make it that U.S. legislators um, can change the banking rules around, can make um, it make it that uh, that banks can be involved in the financial, you know, the services can offer to the to these companies as well. Now, in our particular case, we've had a struggle with this because in our holistic relief um, clinic or medical cannabis clinic, credit cards is an issue because they have to be associated with a bank. And so that's something that we've dealt with. And uh, and people, when they go to medical dispensaries, they're not allowed to use credit cards there either. They can have an ATM there, um, et cetera. They can go get cash ahead of time, but they can't just use the regular credit card. Okay. Now um, there is legislation that has been moving slowly on representative. I mean, I'm sorry. Um, Senate Majority Leader um, Schumer has been one of the biggest advocates for this, but it's been moving along slowly. Now, there's a better chance that this will move faster again if these types of changes are came. But it's actually felt that um, they may not even need to have that kind of laws passed if this goes through. So that's kind of interesting. I'm sure there'll be some level of litigation for that. But, you know, let's also face it. There's not much opposition to it right now. You know, medical cannabis is one of our popular things in our country right now. Probably the most bipartisan support besides Santa Claus and puppy dogs. You may have heard me say that before. But it's become quite a quite um quite commonly comfortable that people are doing it, especially for medical. Okay. Now, what are some other benefits? In my opinion, most important, easier to do research. Now, the only cannabis that's currently allowed to be researched in America is these is a decade old cultivar. People call them strains are actually called cultivars as they're cultivated and strains are for bacteria, not for plants. But um, the um, that it's this old low potency product that is grown only at the University of Mississippi. Okay. And realistically, it's not even close to anything that's out there right now. So people can't even be doing research on the types of products which are higher potency and therefore need to be researched at that higher THC content in order for us to really know what's going on. But they will be able to do more research on it. That's great. Okay. Now, pharmaceutical companies. Now, here's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Okay. Now, it would be interesting to see if pharmaceutical companies are actually going to get into more of the uh, high end. Um, cultivation and strains and those types of things, which I doubt they will. 
Okay, and I don't know how and would people use it if it's that, but obviously a pharmaceutical would only get it through a prescription, and obviously we're not prescribing it. Although technically, I guess doctors could prescribe it if it's rescheduled because we're allowed to um, prescribe Schedule Three. So it'd be interesting to see that. But the more important thing, in my opinion, is for them to be able to start researching um, derivatives of it. So you know, different cannabinoids, you know, derivatives of THC, specifics, you know, isolating THC. Now, of course, those in the natural world believe in the power of the plant as a whole. The entourage effect that we get from everything that's within the plant. But we also do know, for instance, there's a lot of there's research that's coming up in Israel now. They're actually putting a database together where they're finding that certain genetics of cannabis may be good for specific genetics of cancer and actually be, be able to suppress it, not just to provide the benefits when people are undergoing cannabis treatment, but um, I mean, uh, pardon me, um, chemo treatment, but actually, you know, maybe able to fight it off. Um, maybe they'll be able to isolate other things that can help with ADD and anxiety and all of those other things that that may be more specific and studied for that particular condition. Okay. And of course, not everybody wants to um, to be smoking it or vaping it or um, may want to get something that's more pharmaceutical grade. And uh, hey, from my perspective, if that's what a consumer wants, if that's what a patient wants, I have no problem with that. I, I want people to get relief. And it's nice if it could be um, something that is derived from cannabis from a plant, right? You know, we know that penicillin came from mold on oranges. We know that uh, aspirin came from the bark is willow bark if i'm not mistaken so we know that it's that's one of the things there too now so but i, I do wonder are our pharmaceutical companies gonna start selling weed i don't i don't know it's kind of funny to think about it but who knows okay now there is some level of uncertainty about this because if the fda does decide to fully enforce schedule three right not anybody could just go get ketamine or sell um or testosterone, obviously, it has to be in some way. So, might it put some restrictions on uh, on on people being able to access what they can access now? And I guess it's possible, but I really don't think that any state is going to reverse their policy and make it more restrictive once it's there. They know the tax benefits, especially in the on the uh, recreational side of things, and they're comfortable with it already. So, I know that's an a concern that has been expressed. That's not overly concerning to me. Now, um, so while overall. Again, not fully legalizing, but it is a big step forward. I do think it is something that will be helpful for the power of the plant. So, hope you enjoyed this talk. Uh, if you're not a subscriber, please do subscribe to this channel. Um, we're growing nicely, and we really want to get the word out there. And we know that the more subscribers we have, the more likes we get, that the more it works up in the algorithms, so more people can find us. Have a great day.